Live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a news flash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome (laughs) to the show. Hey, Kelly. How's it going? It's going great. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Well, thank you. Do you celebrate Valentine's Day with your kids? Yes. Well, Well, yes and no. I mean, we, we we get a gift for her. But see, the thirteenth is our anniversary, so we we have to do the anniversary Valentine's Day thing separate from the kids, right? Because that just makes sense. Yeah. So um, yeah, yes and no. Like she got she got a little gift basket with an iTunes card and nail polish and makeup and that kind of stuff. That sounds like Easter. I know. <laughs> what the heck? No. <sighs> So I don't know. I I feel like I screwed up a little bit this year. Whatever. Why? Oh, cause well, here's the thing. I used to be I used to be a really good mom when my kids were little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they got older, and I started to suck at it. It's kind of like reverse growth, you know. Like I'm 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 kind of like atrophying. <laughs> oh. As, I don't know, cause I guess I don't have to be as much mom. You know, because they're teenagers now. They do everything for themselves, whatever. And uh, it used to be like when I would go on a trip, like a business trip, I was that mom who went out shopping for like days ahead of time and made little gift baskets for every day or not gift baskets, but like gift bags for every day that I would be gone. Right. Oh, my God. Really cute. Right. So this year, um, Toy Fair, I you know, because of TK's toy box. Right. Is um, every year I go to Toy Fair, and Toy Fair always falls on Valentine's Day. Oh gosh, I know. So Didn't they do a little bit better planning. I think they like it. Oh, okay. They well, here's why: because um, the, it's also uh, President's Day. Yes. Right. So people have off on Monday, so it allows business owners to spend another day at Toy Fair. Because they don't have to worry about school and stuff, right? Yes. And work and all that kind of stuff. I don't know who really has off on President's Day. But anyway, um, so they it, that's why they plan it that way. So anywho, <clears throat> I, we, we've always traditionally done Valentine's Day at Toy Fair. And then I would do like something fun for my kids. And I would leave it with a babysitter or whatever. Well, now my kid's like 17 and a half years old. He doesn't need a babysitter. <laughs> right? So I didn't do anything. So Chris and I came home early yesterday because we're supposed to get all this ridiculous snow and the kids got sent home early from school and it was just a big old mess. So we left early and didn't the kids go out shopping and get us stuff for Valentine's Day and we didn't get them squat. Oh, well, that's cute. It's cute, but I feel so guilty. 
Well, did they ever get you anything before this year? Yeah, like they usually make, like they would make a little cake. Like whoever right. was staying at the house with them would help them, like prompt them. Mm-hmm. And this year they did it all by themselves. Oh, that's uh, cool. That shows independence. It does. And they're really, they're, yeah, and it's awesome. And I'm just like, I feel like I, I, I screwed up. Oh, well, whatevs. But I got to go to Toy Fair. Yeah, how was that? Oh, it's awesome. A lot of good stuff on the horizon. Yeah, you know what I'm loving, Kelly? This what? is making me so excited. I'm loving that we're getting back to classic toys. Oh, yeah. So I, I have this theory. I was talking to some, uh, some distributor friends and people that I, that I know that I hang out with when I'm at Toy Fair. And we were talking about how, like, three years, two years, a year ago... The trend was so, so far leaning technology. Oh, yes. Right? It's like the, the iPad holders for the stroller, you know, <laughs> like, like super far leaning technology for the kids, right? So now they have like this digital, an entire digital section that you can go to and learn. But it's not, it's not as popular as the booths that are growing because it's green toys or, mm-hmm. you know, it's recycled plastics or it's, um, throwback toys like, um, like the old shoots and ladders game. Everybody's doing wood. Everybody's oh, nice. going back, right. Like they're going back to the old wooden toys and the baby dolls and the tool sets and the ride on toys and stuff to get kids outside. It's like there's what so a concept. much. What a concept. Do you know what I did not see any of? What? Those stupid hoverboard things that are blown up. and. Oh, good. I think people have realized that they are not a good thing. Nope. It's, it's skateboards and scooters and bicycles and tricycles. My, there's, there was a guy there with a giant big wheel. My, I took pictures of my husband riding it. Really? Yeah, it's, a, it's an adult-sized big wheel. Oh, that's do- awesome. Yeah, it is awesome, and I like it, and I love that we're doing more stuff to get kids engaged and, and you know, playing outside and all that stuff. So I think we've, we've swung so far. We were talking about this at dinner. I think the pendulum has swung so far to the technology side and as we talk about so much on this show, we've never parented through this phenomenon before. Right. So we don't really know. We, we didn't know what we didn't know. And I think now it's starting to come back to a happy medium. I think people are spending less time on social media than ever before. Um, I think that kids are going to start. Parents are starting to put their foot down. They're starting to monitor their kids more because they're realizing that it's their responsibility Right. And I and I I think parents are insisting that that their kids spend time away from technology. Periods of time, specific periods of time throughout the day, you know, get off the game. It's I posted something on the on the Parent Nation page this morning. <laughs> the computer. It. Did you see the yes. computer? When yes. your your parents were like you have to, you had to get off the computer so you could use the phone. Right. <laughs> Dial up. Dial up. It's like I, I think that um, it's not so much off the grid. We're not we're not doing as much of that crazy off the grid shit, but we are pulling back more. 
and getting more grounded and getting more back to face-to-face reality. Right. Instead of so much social media. (sighs) Wouldn't it be cool if we could have a presidential election without social media again? Wow. That would be craziness. I know. Who'd have thunk that? That would be pretty awesome. And where you had to do your own research and actually think about what you're doing instead of letting other people's opinions cloud your mind. Right? You would actually watch a debate on TV instead of participating in a debate on social media. (laughs) Wow. What a concept. Hmm. We should get that back. (laughs) Ugh. So anyway, oh, do you know what I saw recently? Speaking of social media, I was off of it for a while because you can't get you can't get Internet connections in the Javits Center is what that came down to. So I love having those periods of time when I have to unplug like I don't have a choice. But do you only do it when you're forced to? Yeah, it's an addiction. And and I admit it. I, I am completely addicted. Yeah, it's true. And I figured that out when I would, um, like if my battery would get low on my phone, I would plug in my phone and then stand next to it. (laughs) So no one could see it. No, I would stand, uh, like I would plug in my phone and instead of just going, okay, well, this is going to charge for a few minutes. I'll go do something else. I would stand there and use my phone while it was charging. Okay. Like a corded phone. I'm like, (laughs) I'm Yeah, that's pretty pathetic, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's the old school days with that long cord that went throughout the whole house. That was the best invention ever when we were kids. It was. I could take that phone from my kitchen down the hallway into the bathroom and close the door. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. That was good stuff. Where's Tara? Oh, I don't know. Follow the cord. (laughs) (laughs) And then your mom would pick up on the other line and you could totally hear that she did it. Mom, get off the phone. Mom, I know you're there. I hear you breathing. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. But it was good stuff. And we, our it was. parents knew where the hell we were and what we were doing and who we were talking to and right. what we were talking about. Ugh, those were the days. Mm-hmm. Where you had to leave a message for someone. You had your little message center. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. She's in not here right now. Right? That's so funny. I remember in high school, I had a party when my parents went out of town. Ooh. And the only reason that they found out about the party was because my friends recorded an outgoing message on the answering machine. Um. Dumbasses. <laughs> Gosh. But that was, the, I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that made childhood fun. You know what I'm um, saying? Oh, yeah. Ugh, the old answering machine. The old answering machine. 1111, it's a good energy number. Oh, 1111. Yeah. Do you believe that stuff? I do. I do. I like to make a wish at 1111. Do you? Mm-hmm. Okay, make a wish. It's 1111. And now anybody, anybody that's listening to this, no matter where they are, they have to make a wish at that point in the show, even if they're listening to the podcast replay, because it's just good luck. Right. I like it. Uh, I saw a thing on social media this morning that kind of irritated me, and I don't know no. how to take it. It did. It did. So it's um, it's this thing. Uh, did you ever 
did you, well, you've seen the thing where, like they say, uh, if a little girl is being bossy, you shouldn't call her bossy because she's just expressing her leadership skills. I've seen that, and I'm, I'm, I'm leery about that. Well, this one takes it like five steps further. Okay. And unfortunately, it was posted by a real dear friend of mine who's a great mom. Okay. However, it says, and, and it's a little bit long, but I'm going to read it anyway because I want your opinion on it. It says, your child is not stubborn. He is determined. Your child is not defiant. They are learning to express their opinions. Your child is not bossy. She is honing her leadership skills through trial and error. Your child is not selfish. They're expressing their ownership and responsibility. Mm. I think that entire thing is bullshit. Yeah, because there's a difference between those two words that they're comparing, like a bossy in leadership, you could be a great leader without being bossy. True story, right? Right. Here's my thing. I think that that is so subjective, depending mm. upon your child's attitudes and tone when they're expressing those things. Exactly. We are, and here's why it pissed me off, because it's coming off of the heels of, again, Toy Fair, Right. So at the, for the first time in the history of Toy Fair, they had an, or a, a section called Play Fair where you could bring your kids. Toy Fair has traditionally been no one under 18 is allowed at the show. Mm-hmm. Period. I don't give a okay. shit if you're in a stroller. The only exception is if you're nine months pregnant. That's the only <laughs> that they're actually inside your body. <laughs> then you're Okay. But, you know, no babies, no toddlers, no teenagers, no kids at Toy Fair. So this year they did Play Fair. But what they didn't what they didn't express clearly enough is that it was in a different section of it was in a different section of Toy Fair. Like it was it was in another building, practically, where the kids and the parents could get together and try out the toys because they wanted to get kid feedback and family feedback on the toys. Okay, great. You know, it's your market segment. You want to get feedback from them. That I understand. But people got pissed because they misunderstood what it meant and thought that they should be allowed to bring their kids to Toy Fair. Mm. And they were getting cocky about it. But here's the deal. Kelly, for the first time ever at Toy Fair, I was not given any samples most of the booths did not allow me to play with their toys. I, huh. you know, because there were kids around. Here's the deal. I buy several million dollars worth of toys every year at Toy Fair. Right. I want to be able to sit down and have a professional conversation with the person who's going to make those toys without some kid coming up and pushing me out of the way and expressing their leadership abilities. <laughs> To grab a webkin out of my hand. Like, get out of here. <laughs> Move over. I'm the next president. Exactly. It's like, you know, back off, Mr. Curiosity, four-year-old. No, you can't have the Snickers bar. Get out of here. <laughs> that candy's no. for the adults. No one allowed who cannot make a purchase. Exactly. Exactly. If you can't legally have a credit card, you shouldn't be allowed on the show floor. <laughs> Damn it. And that's the kind of thing that we are do. That's that's the kind of attitudes that we are teaching our children that they are. Kids aren't adults. They're not little adults. 
Their brains aren't done cooking yet. <sighs> They're not little adults. Don't bring them into an adult space and expect me to have to dumb down myself to make your kid feel better mm-hmm. about, about their leadership skills. <laughs> it's, oh, oh God, that makes oh. me crazy. Makes me crazy. Ah, and it's home business happy hour. So Yay. this is people today, which I'm super excited about. It's uh yeah. Well, our first guest, Craig Cody is going to be talking to us about small business taxes. And I uh. have, I just threw (laughs) up a little, but he's I'm hoping Craig's going to make it fun. Right. I'm I'm, I'm just hoping Craig's going to make it fun. So, but I have a lot of friends on Facebook and social media and LinkedIn and stuff like that, that are talking about, um, taxes right now. And, uh, you know, like taxes is a big, it's, it's a big thing. You know, we're, we, we're coming into a presidential election. Taxes is a big topic, you know, and, So I'm excited to talk to Craig because I want to get his opinion on some stuff. And then we're going to be talking to Matthew Pollard. And he, um, well, he's going to be talking about home businesses and the sales blogger awards and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be having a good time with those guys. So in the meantime, during this break, because we're going to be going to break soon, um, go to the TogiNet site everybody and take our survey because we need to find out what kind of stuff you want to talk about on the show, what you want to hear about on the show. And if you're loving the show, right? Yeah. So yeah, we need people to do stuff like that. Anywho, uh, I don't want to pay my taxes. (laughs) I know it. I'm not happy about it. Oh, another thing I want to talk. We, um, I want to start getting more people on Periscope. I do Periscope. Okay. And I think that it would have been fun to do periscopes from Toy Fair, um, but I couldn't get a signal. That would have been so fun, right? But I'm thinking that I want to do more periscope stuff. So go on the Facebook page. Go on Parent Nation Radio on Facebook. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to talk about. And and I'm going to start doing weekly periscopes and talking about, you know, parent issues, home business issues, that kind of stuff. Don't you think that'll be fun? That'd be awesome. I love it. I think so, too. All right. We're going to go to a break, and then we come back. We're going to be talking about taxes. Cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. some interesting facts about people. If someone is lying to you, they tend to look up and to the left. 
A mythomane is a person who believes something is true when it isn't. You share your birthday with at least 9 million other people in the world. And 6.5 million people in the world have never seen or used a telephone. Boy, that would sure simplify life. What's a word that means yearning for the good old days? Hesternopothea. People with blue eyes are better able to see in the dark. In a lifetime, an average person walks a distance of five times around the earth. Women from Senegal spend 17 hours a week collecting water. Hmm, maybe I don't yearn for the good old days after all. It's Marching Day I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? It's <laughs> time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. This is our home business happy hour show, which I absolutely love because so many of us in Parent Nation are, are you know, starting to work from home and, um, and starting up small businesses. A lot of people don't realize that if you get into party plans or multi-level marketing or something like that, you are actually running a home business. And one of the things that they don't tell you, they tell you to pick something that you love to do, but they don't tell you all of the, the crazy, um, unfun shit that goes with running a home-based business. <laughs> no, you'd never sign up then. Oh my gosh. Right. Like who's going to sign up when they tell you, you have to do your own friggin' taxes and, <laughs> oh, and you, what, what can I claim? What can I claim? You know, why am I paying so much more to the government than I think they deserve? They never stamped catalogs for me. What the hell? But anyway, <laughs> that's, uh, that was what, like one of my favorite lines. Like, you know, Uncle Sam never set up for a home party for me. Like, why do <laughs> give him so much? But anyway, um, our first guest today is Craig Cody, and um, he's a CPA who actually began he, – he was actually a cop with the New York City Police Department for mm-hmm. 17 years before he retired as a lieutenant in 2000. And then went into finances and and joined a, a CPA firm and now helps people to keep their money, which is kind of funny, I think. So Ooh, it's, a little rhyme. Yeah. Oh, I'm a poet and don't know it. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Craig, how are you? Hello. Hi. Nice to, nice to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I was just in New York City for several days. I go to New York a lot. I love it's a great place. It is a great place, isn't it? I don't know why people get so yes. scared. I love New York. I think it's yes. awesome. We're, we're located about twenty miles right outside of Manhattan, so we get we're lucky to be in there quite often. Oh, really? Cool. So you were okay. I have to ask you: How does one go from being in um, in in fighting crime and being a police officer? To being a CPA? Oh, uh, it's, it's always been, you know, taxes and accounting and finance has always been a passion of mine. So um, when it was time to move on, you know, um, I chose to uh, pursue something else that I loved. And I had a, a nice 17-year run 
I did a lot of interesting things. I worked with a lot of great people. And uh, this is phase two of life. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. And second of all, how does one find a love of taxes? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first you have to love those little pocket protectors that you get. Okay, that's the first part. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to see the look on somebody's face when you sit down with them and you do some tax planning and you save them 15, 20, you know, even more, uh, thousands of dollars a year, okay, every year. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, I think that part of it would be kind of cool, actually. So I have yeah. the utmost respect for anybody who finds a love in numbers of any kind. I mean, I love money. Don't get it twisted. But... I don't know that I would want to like I love handing my accountant my my beer cooler with all my receipts in it. <laughs> right. And and that would be like looking in the rearview mirror after if you've done something. What we do is we work with our clients to be proactive and to plan ahead and to think ahead so we could take advantage of all the legal deductions that they're out there. And what that does is it lets them keep more of what they earn. Okay, and it helps them realize their dreams, whether it's, you know, those shoes or that summer home or just putting more money away, Um, you know, legally keeping what they don't have to give to Uncle Sam. So that is so super interesting to me, because when I started, I, I became an entrepreneur at a very, very young age. So I started running my own businesses when I was 18, 19 years old, and I was always um, I, I was always the one who, it, you know, I'm a sole proprietor. That's what I do. You know, I did my schedule C and all that as a sole proprietor. And I would, I would pay in so much at the end of the year, so much. And I finally, I had a really great year, but we had a flood. So, um, one of our rental properties was destroyed and we were told that we couldn't claim it because we made too much. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's got to be there's got to be something wrong here. That doesn't even make sense to me. So I changed accountants and they were like, "Oh, you should be an S corp and, you know, with every, you know, the the way your businesses are run." This is stuff that I had no idea, but nobody was telling me. Like why why does that happen? Like what is the threshold between a sole proprietor, where should you start thinking about incorporating S-Corp, like that kind of stuff? Well, you know, it, it really depends on how much money you're going to be making, okay? So when, when you calculate the, the extra cost involved in running a corporation and, you know, dealing with payroll taxes and things that you're really not going to do yourself, all right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would say if you're netting, if you're netting over $30,000 a year, you should look at that. The more money you're grossing, obviously, you know, you want to look at that. Um, but it's really you need to work with your CPA on a regular basis. Now, we work with all our clients throughout the year, okay? We don't just see our clients this time of year because at this time of year, there's not a whole lot we can do for them. So while, you know, our clients pay us more than they do the typical accountant, okay, the tax savings is, you know, far outweighs you know, what the difference in cost is, okay? Um, And that's very important because people tend to look at it as a commodity. It's not a commodity. It's good advice. 
So you're kind of like, and I don't want to, I don't want to use terms that belittle what you do at all whatsoever, but to me, it almost feels kind of like you're a bookkeeper slash CPA. Well, we work with our clients to make sure their books are correct throughout the year. Okay. Mm -hmm. We also work with them to make sure they're taking advantage of all the different things that they should be taking advantage of. And you don't know that unless you talk to your clients throughout the year. So, um, we are a strategy company, okay? And we mm. help our clients implement those strategies. So somebody like me who, you know, at, at tax season every year, I say I'm going to get QuickBooks and I'm going to sit down every week and I'm going to do my tax, you know, I'm going to keep up with my books and I'm going to keep up with all my expenses and stuff. And then in March I go, you know, I really should get QuickBooks trying to catch up with all my receipts. It's like, how do you deal with somebody like me? Is it, is the money that I'm paying to have somebody like you every single month, is that going to save me money at the end of the year at tax season? Of course. Of course. Otherwise, our clients wouldn't be with us. They wouldn't stick with us. You know, you know, I, I all tell my clients, you make money doing what you do. Okay. So you should be doing what you do to make money. Okay. And we make money doing what we do. So we handle your books. We handle your taxes. We handle, you know, the strategies, okay? We discuss those with you. But you go out there and you make your money because that's where you're earning, that's where you're earning your, you know, the big money, okay? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, when you sit down with a client, they shouldn't be doing stuffing envelopes, okay, if they're making a large portion, you know, in revenue doing other things. Hmm. So, so there's somebody like say, me do I do everything. Right. And and you know I would say you're probably making a mistake without looking at, you know, doing it. What we typically do is we sit down with a client, we get their business tax returns, we get their personal tax returns, we do an analysis, we go through some questions with them, and we figure out ways that they things that they can be doing that they can deduct and things that they should be doing and things that they are doing that they're not deducting. Okay, and we'll be mm -hmm. proactive. So it's kind of funny because I have lots of friends who own businesses, and then I have my accountant, right? So my friends will be saying things to me like, oh, well, you can go out and lease a car and you can write that whole thing off because you use it for your business. And then my accountant's like, um, absolutely not. So why, why is the information so varied from source to source? The same, the same reason why, you know, people tell you, you know, they have a cure for the common cold, you know, and somebody else tells you to eat chicken soup, you know, mm -hmm. um, you, you really need to talk to the professional that you trust, okay, and hopefully, you know, he's giving you correct information, all right, and maybe the answer should be, you know, yes, you can go out there and lease his car to the business, but if you're only using it 80% of the time for business, then you can only write off 80% of that lease payment. Hmm. So that's so really is, the correct answer. So, like, for me, trying to decipher tax code, well, first of all, it's just one more thing that I absolutely don't have time to do. So do you teach people how to manage this stuff themselves, or do you have – or do you recommend that they let their professional do everything for them? Like, what do you – do you educate well, people, or do you just serve them? 
we 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 educate and we service and and you know the, the client that's out there with the busy business, you know um, he doesn't want an in-depth education. Okay, he wants to make sure you know what what we're doing is legitimate. Okay, and he wants to understand what he's doing, but he wants us to guide him through it. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know we, we tell him what he what he's allowed to do, and we give him we actually give him a plan, a written tax plan, and it shows that this, where the tax code says yes, you can do this. Okay, mm. um, so so that's important, but we don't we don't actually give that to them and expect that they're going to go and implement it. Okay, because it's kind of like it's only as good as what somebody's willing to do, and most people get too busy running their business to go about doing what needs to be done. So we hold their hand and we make sure that they do the things we tell them they need to do. And see, that would be perfect for somebody like me. Because for someone to say, make sure you have all your information to me by March 1st, that's not effective for me. Because first of all, I'm a procrastinator. So, right. you know. And that's, that's looking in the rearview mirror. Right. Okay. By the time March comes around, there's really very little you can do other than a retirement plan. Okay. Wow. And, uh, and usually... I'll go through like as quickly as I can to just get the basics to my accountant to get my taxes done. And then like a month down the road, I'll be like, oh, crap, I forgot to I could have given I could have deducted this. I could have done. So are you suggesting like what is the frequency that you suggest people meet with their CPA, their accountant, whatever? At at least once a quarter, whether it's not an in-person meeting, it could be a Skype meeting or a WebEx meeting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and with us, our clients send us their bank statements either monthly or quarterly, and we have a bookkeeper that you know puts it into um, you know our software, and we know to ask the questions, and then we know that things that they're putting on their credit card. Okay, so what did you put on your credit card? And like you said before, our experience is people that don't keep good records, okay, wind up realizing down the road, okay, wait, oh, I forgot to give that information to my accountant. Mm-hmm. So now here's the here's something that you said that came up for me that I don't even know how to handle it. One of the uh, suggestions that I had from a bookkeeper is to do exactly what you just said. Give me um, give me access to your bank statements, your credit card statements, all of that stuff. And I was like, no way. Like, do you no? Absolutely not. Is that normal practice? It, it, you know, that has to be really, that's a personal preference. So whether it's a paper statement, obviously you, you need to give us, a, at the very least, a, a paper statement, okay? But in today's world, many banks have what they call online accountants access, which is basically, you know, you can read it, but you can't change numbers, you can't send out checks, you can't do anything like that. And obviously, you know, we're professionals, we're licensed by the state, okay? So, you know, you need to have that comfort with us, but some people prefer just to send us the statements, and that's fine. You can do it either or, but we definitely need to see the bank statements. Wow. And so I really like that, though. So there's actually access that I could grant to my bookkeeper that they can see. It's like a view only, basically. Exactly. And different banks have different different options. Hmm. Do you, um, is there anything, like we have like two minutes left, is there like a huge piece of advice that you would give to small business owners like me 
that they should take advantage of, like, as soon as they stop listening to the show? Yeah, I, I think, well, you want to be proactive, and you want to make sure that you've chosen the correct entity for your type of business. Okay? So the sole proprietorship, the, the LLC, the corporation, the S-corporation, which is the best form for the type of business that you're in. Okay. And your accountant should have that information. That's definitely a discussion that you should typically have with your accountant. Typically, that's a discussion that people have with their attorney, okay? Um, but, you know, it's, it's a discussion you should include your accountant on because it's not just liability protection you may be looking for. You may be, you know, there's certain tax um, benefits of depending on the way you're structured. Right. I think a lot of people, like if they're in a home, like a home party plan or something like that, that's not even, you know, now you're you're just a sole proprietor, you're an independent contractor. Those kind of people, you just basically want to make sure that you're working with your accountant on a regular basis. Right. And, and there, you know, you may want to be, you know, form an LLC, okay, because if nothing else, it gives you some liability protection. God forbid you're at a party and something happens, okay? Mm. Um you know, um, you know, there could be tax benefits to it, but there could also be, you know, liability benefits to it, okay? Wow. And a single-member LLC doesn't file a separate tax return, so there's no greater accounting, you know, cost to it or separate tax filings that need to be done, but you give yourself a little bit of protection. That's awesome information. So how can people get a hold of you? Where can we find you? Yes, they can go to our website, which is uh, www.craigcodyandcompany.com, and there's uh, a phone number, 516-869-4051, that they can call us or go to the website and fill out a link, and we can send them some information. We actually have um, uh, a free report, um, the tax, basically it's the tax biggest ten, uh, mistakes that people make awesome. um, that we well, send out. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. It has long been believed that taking vitamin D slows the progression of knee pain. Earlier studies showed that if you suffer from arthritis in your knees, people with higher levels of vitamin D in their blood progress slower in their arthritis. But now the Nutrition Action Newsletter reports that a disappointing new study found that the vitamin has no effect. The research found that there was no difference in cartilage loss or thickness and no change in knee pain in those who took 2,000 IUs of vitamin D daily or a placebo. They recommend that you take vitamin D to protect your bones, but don't count on it to stop your knee pain. Instead, focus on daily exercise, especially low-impact exercises like walking. 
lose weight to take the pressure off your knees and other joints as well. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. I am, I, sometimes I get so excited about the people that I'm talking to, and I just get so into the conversation that I don't even realize that we have to take commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank Craig Cody again for being on the show, and um, we're going to put his information up on the Parent Nation Radio Facebook page if you want to reach out to him and get in touch with him and get his report, the 10 biggest tax mistakes that business owners make. So we're going to have that information up on the website. And next, we are going to be talking to our next and final guest, Matthew Pollard. And he is... He's just like, he's a business powerhouse. He's just amazing. He's done, he has five multi-million dollar business stories that he, success stories to his name. He's, um, he has won a Young Achiever Award. He's the master of niche marketing and sales systemization. And I am just so excited to be talking to him. And he's just going to bring us some really wonderful content about, um, how to niche your business, should you niche your business, what does all that mean? So, hey, how is it going today, Matthew? It's going well. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Absolutely. It's, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I just spent the last four days at a sales event talking <laughs> constantly, so my voice is completely terrible, um, but I wanted to just get right into this with you because you have so much awesome information to share with helping businesses to up-level. And um, so tell us a little bit about what you do, how you got started at such a young age and what you do, and what's made you successful. Yeah, sure, definitely. I I think what made me successful uh, at a young age was actually a little bit of a a fluke. I'm not sure if you use that word here in America, but it, it 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 was more of a... I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I had a reading speed of a sixth grader in late high school, and I really was quite introverted. And I made the decision to take a year off after I finished school um, to really work out what I wanted to do. And I I went working for a real estate agency, really just to hide in the back, take a paycheck, and and work out where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And the bank, uh, the, sorry, the the real estate agency went bankrupt just before Christmas. And in Australia, we have four weeks really off over Christmas from the 20th of December to almost sometimes the 20th of January. And getting a job then during that stage is really impossible. So I kind of fell into door-to-door commission-only sales. It was the only option that I had. (laughs) And it was horrible for me to start. I mean, you can imagine an introverted guy that's trying to walk down a strip of shops to try and sell telecommunications products. After five days product training, no sales training. Wow. So it was it was horrible, and I I spent ninety three doors walking to try and make my first sale, and eventually I did, and I made that first sale. It was I remember I made seventy dollars, and I walked out ecstatic until I had this <laughs> solemn realization that I had to do that again tomorrow and for the rest of the year. Wow, 
So I, I turned myself onto YouTube and I taught myself how to sell dur- using YouTube. And within six weeks, I became the number one performer in the number one in the, the largest sales and marketing company in the Southern Hemisphere. That's amazing. For well, for several reasons. I guess the first reason being that a lot of us that are in sales have been told from a very young age that you are either born to sell or you're not, that it isn't something that you can learn. Look, I think that's common. I think it's common. I think a lot of people uh, think that it's one of those natural born abilities. You either are born with it or you're not. And I think with me, because I think a lot of success comes from people that truly have their back up against the wall. And I I really did. I had my back up against the wall. I, I didn't know what I was going to do and how I was going to get there. And I had to find an option. And I think success comes from people that find those options. And f- for me, I, w- I worked out that just by focusing my attention on practicing the skills, understanding it was a learnable skill, and really breaking down the, the sales process into steps, I could learn it just like any other process in business. It's, it, that's, it's absolutely true. I mean, my husband is an engineer and I mean, he's an engineer by trade and by personality style, if you know what I mean. And when he got into, when he started getting more into involved in the sales end of electric electronics and, and panels and all of this other stuff, he, he started selling what he was writing, what he was building. He loved it. And then he started to do what you did. He would study it. And now he's just amazing at sales. And I step back and look at him and go, that's kind of unfair because I thought that was supposed to be my thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and it it happens. I mean, the main thing is that an engineer is a wonderful person understanding process and understanding that if you take out any form of change in a process and you can continually improve that process, then it'll always be better and better over time. And what I found is while the naturals on their good days would always be better than I was, on their bad days would be much worse because they had a fight with their girlfriend or husband or something like that. And then all of a sudden their sales, you know, they, they ground out because they just, they, it, it's so attached to their emotions at the time where an introvert, we just follow a script or a process that we're used to doing and we go through the stages and at the end we, we, we results in a sale for us. That is so true. That's and so we, true for me too. I, I mean, personally, I've always been, sales is my thing. That's what I do. And you're so right. Like if it's, if it's cold and cloudy outside and I'm not feeling well, I bottom out. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I am the most horrible human being on the face of the planet. But when it's beautiful and I'm, you know, I'm out and I'm doing my thing and I'm having fun and I'm taking people out to dinner and I'm enjoying life, I'm on top of my game. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, I just got back from Bangkok. I spoke at the Electrolux Top 100 Performers Conference. And I got back on a flight. And the only flight I could get back directly to Austin was through Moscow. And it took me 30, I think it was 30 hours on a plane. So it was horrible, but I had to get back because it was a Friday, and they were all sales calls, and I moved the rest of the, the week, but I just went, you know what? I, if I move this day, it's going to take me a week to move it, so I'm just going to get back, and I'm going to do this on the Friday. I was jet-lagged. I felt terrible, 
But because I just follow a program, a simple process, I delivered the exact same percentage of results on those calls that I would have if I had have just had a lovely weekend and I, it was a lovely sunny day outside. And that's the benefit of, of having a process and a system. You just run programs and it's just so simple that way. That's fantastic. So a lot of what we talk about, like this program is geared kind of like to the home business person, you know, like the, the parent who's trying to start up a business from their home and maybe doesn't know a lot about sales, but they know what they love because that's what they tell us. Just do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, which is such <laughs> crap, right? But anyway, 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 you sell the process to make sure that even if you're not loving it on that day, you can still do well. Is that well, correct? What's interesting is I, I learned sales for the longest time and I taught it for the longest time. But then what I realized a while back is that I was doing something else that most people didn't do that made it even easier for me. And what I, I now have a saying that I, I, I continually tell people, which is that if you start with sales, you've already lost what I'm, what I mean by that is so many people will focus on, oh, I need to be better at sales or I'm so introverted. I could never learn sales. And then I, I would tell them about YouTube and the systems that I learned and the fact that it was possible. But there's so much you can do before you get to the selling that can make such a difference in your life. For instance, what I focus on is I help people understand that if they have a unique and unified message that separates them from the crowd, all of a sudden their entire offering is more desirable. Then next, if they instead of speaking to everybody, they speak to a small market niche of people that they, they really understand, then all of a sudden, then they've got willing and wanting to buy customers. Then by the time you get to sales, people are already pre-sold in a lot of ways. And you know, I, I've gone through, I go through a few examples of this with a lot of people. I mean, I talk about this story of a girl called Wendy who owned the Beijing Language Academy out in California, and she was struggling to get fifty to eighty dollars an hour to teach Mandarin to adults and children in China. Uh, sorry, in, in California. And all of a sudden, there was all of these people starting to come from other states of the U.S. into California and other, pla other places in China into California. And they wanted to open up their own Mandarin businesses. And as you know about anyone that's, willing to, that's starting their own business, they're willing to absolutely cut their prices to the bone just to get their first clients. And poor Wendy is sitting there trying to make $50 to $80 an hour, and she pays her staff more than what they're willing to charge. So she came to me with the problem, how do I compete in this absolutely saturated market where everybody is cheaper than me? And my response was, well, let's try and avoid the battle altogether. And this is what I really suggest to any home-based business. See, for Wendy, what I discovered very quickly after working with her is that she did two specific things above and beyond. Sorry, three specific things for two clients above and beyond that was just so much more than what she did for other clients. She was helping two executives being relocated over to China understand the importance of Galaxy. Now, for us in the Western world, that's, you know, out of space. But in China, that's their version of rapport. See, in the Western world, we want to maybe meet once, maybe twice, and we want to do a deal. Anything longer than that, the client's dragging their feet, and we say the client may be a waste of our time. In China, they want to go out to dinner five or six times, maybe see you drunk over karaoke once or twice. Before, <laughs> well before they, they even want to talk any business, and because they want to find out what kind of person that you are, because they're doing deals that are 50 to 100-year contracts, not 12- and 24-month contracts like we do here. That's longer than a lot of people's lifetimes. 
So she helped them with that. She helped them understand the difference between e-commerce in China and e-commerce in the Western world. And she helped them understand the importance of respect. Because in China, if somebody hands you a business card, you hold it with two hands, you stare at it, you appreciate it, you almost bow and then you put it in a card case. As opposed to here, we don't even pay attention. We put it in our pocket while we continue talking. That level of respect is vitally important in China. And they also see that while you understand and may be able to speak Mandarin, if you don't know how to, if you don't try to at least attempt to reduce your accent, not sound like them, but reduce your accent to seem like you honor and respect their culture, then they're not going to want to do business with you. So she helped them understand these things. And I said to Wendy, what are you doing for these people that's above and beyond? And her response to me was, well, they're just a few additional little things. And I said, Wendy, you're stuck in your functional skill. Is it fair to assume as a result of the things that you're doing for these people, these people are going to be more successful in China? And she said, well, yeah, I I guess so. We rebranded her into the China Success Institute. All her staff became China Success Coaches. And then we introduced the China Success Intensive, which was a $30,000 program that ran for five weeks that worked with the executive, the spouse, and the children in order to make them as successful as possible when they were relocated to China. They didn't even focus on Mandarin. That was somebody else's problem. We then created a JV, a joint venture, with some immigration agents that worked ridiculously hard to find clients, process the immigration paperwork to get a visa for a person to go over to China, all for a few thousand dollars, and offered them $3,000 to pass on a phone call to Wendy once the visa was approved. And all they would say is, now, you've got your visa, that's fantastic, I just want to make sure you've got everything in order to be as successful as possible in China. And they'd say, yeah, I think we've got it sorted. We, you know, we're starting to learn Mandarin, we've got our house over there, we're doing well. And they'd say, no, there's more to it than that. I think you need to speak to the China success coach. And from that, Wendy would make it, have a quick phone call, generally convert the client, and she'd make $27,000 without having to hard sell anymore. That's from struggling to get $50 to $80 an hour. And the immigration agent made more money out of doing that than they did out of the immigration paperwork itself. That's the power of a rapid growth unified message. Wow. That's an amazing story. And I know it sounds weird, but I can relate to so many of the things that you're saying. Just having come from an environment that is a lot of Chinese manufacturers, everything that you're saying is so true. And look at how long it took me 13 years to realize the stuff that you just said. That when you hand a business card, you receive it with both hands and, and, um, you know, like reduce it. All of those things that you were saying... It took someone like me 13 years in the business to figure that out. Well, exactly. It takes training. I mean, I was, as I said, I was just in Bangkok, and Electrolux Wired's a Swedish company. The APAC region is, is, is officed in Singapore. And when I went and met with people in, and, and spoke in Bangkok, it was 100-plus vice presidents of different things, of different product lines. <laughs> and I was speaking in front of them, but when I handed them my card, or they handed me their card, the difference in how they cherish the card, you that needs training. Like even yes. though I, I'd worked with Wendy to help her frame her message, all of a sudden it became a reality. I was there and I was getting handed cards and I looked at I, I went to almost put it in my pocket. I saw what they were doing and I'm like, okay, I best do that too. <laughs> so that I love what you're saying because it does relate to I can't believe you only have two minutes left. I love talking to you. Um <laughs> It absolutely relates to going back, to finding your gifts, finding what you know, finding what you can bring, and then sharing that with your customer and finding the customer who needs what you have. 
That's exactly you know? right. And for a lot of people, they believe they have to be something other than they are. For Wendy, it was something she was doing anyway. It was already congruent with who that she is. See, branding experts and SEO people have got it wrong. They focus on the cool keyword or the fancy, shiny name. You've got to find something that's congruent with you and your brand. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. So you can be a Mary Kay salesperson, but if you're the one who goes into the nursing homes and helps, you know, aging women to feel beautiful because you've been there and you, you know, you're living with your aging mother, that's something that you can offer that not everybody else can. So capitalize on that. Exactly right. Exactly right. Everybody has their own experiences, their own education, their own problem customers, their own things that have happened that are horrible and wonderful in their lives. And all of that together becomes their own unified message. I love that so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing this stuff. How can people reach you? We have like 30 seconds left. Yeah, definitely. Well, if you type in my name, Matthew Pollard, on Google, you'll, you'll find me pretty much seven out of ten parts on the page. Uh, you can also go to MatthewPollard.com or find me on Twitter at, uh, at, at Matthew Pollard underscore. And it's P-O-L-L-A-R-D, Matthew Pollard. That's exactly right. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I really, truly appreciate it. I love finding the unique brilliance in everyone, and your message just completely sends that home. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. I also want to thank Craig Cody for talking to us about the most obnoxious thing on the planet, which is taxes. Thanks for making that fun. And Parent Nation, check out the website. Check out TaraKennedyKlein.com and go to the Facebook page and join the conversation. Until next week, keep playing. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at TaraKennedyKline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling